Welcome back. It's good to have you with us. This is the first podcast of the new year of 2024. Coming the off of a futuristic year we never thought would arrive is here now. Coming off of a nice Christmas break. Uh, it's been a couple of couple of weeks since we've been able to get together and uh i guess is this officially season two or is this like season one we don't do seasons i'm aiming for like episode 1468 that's good just keep it going that's good we've got a long way to go to get to 1468 some of our habits because i looked today at the list of episodes and we're doing good to get two out a month so it's going to take a while to get to a thousand I'm thinking we won't live to see it. We're going to have to pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> the pace must quicken. You know, I was talking to the uh, the teens on Sunday morning about the 10,000-hour rule. Right? Yeah. Hey, you've talked yes. about that before, right? The Gladwell. Gladwell and, uh, you know, becoming a master at something mm-hmm. requires 10,000 hours of, like, purposeful training. And there's an you know example about the Beatles um, <laughs> and the amount of time that they spent together and how many they did, like, it was... Maybe one place in Scotland that they did in like Germany. 12, it was Germany, Germany all night long, like was, seven or eight hour. And there were like twelve hundred of those events that they <laughs> did. You know that that started really contributing to their ten thousand mm-hmm. hours. So um, yeah, and, and so I we were talking about Bible study, and we were saying you know if you know I was trying to impress on them study you know start studying your Bible now right and and took them through that whole thing of, you know, well, I'll study when, you know, sports ends and I'll study when I get out of high school and I'll study when I get out of college and I'll study, you know, once my job gets under control mm-hmm. or when I get married or when I have kids or when I retire, then you die and you've, you know, haven't ever done it, right? Yeah. Pleasant thought of the day. Yeah. But that, that whole deal was, you know, if you studied your Bible an hour a day uh, to get to the 10,000 hour rule would take over 27 years, you know, wow. to get to that point and an hour a day is you know what that's healthy bible study but mm-hmm. you know and then I, I used you as an example or whatever because you know i thought about how long you had been preaching and you know you've probably put in your ten thousand hours i would think um but um you know you get to our ten thousand hours of passages um we may be we may have a few gray hairs yeah if we get to a hundred hours, we'll be doing really good. A hundred episodes, but I'd love to do it. I'm wondering if we're going to get I through think, this episode. I think we're going to master this thing prior to ten thousand hours, though. I, I think we're already well, well on our way. I'm pretty sure we probably put in close to ten thousand hours in the last twenty-one years with our witty banter going back. Right, and, forth. and Tim, I've been preparing my entire life for this podcast. <laughs> my like whole it. life has been for aiming. This. At this moment. <laughs> well, take it away, Drew. And you'll see when I share with you what I have for the podcast this evening. All right. Next time you're in Columbia, you got to go by and see the new statue. Wait, Columbia, the country. The country. Okay. Not. Uh, you just said next time, like maybe you were talking about Columbia, South United Carolina, States. or no, no, something no, no. like that. Okay. Shakira was immortalized in her Colombian hometown of Barranquilla, (laughs) where officials unveiled a giant bronze statue of the music diva known around the world for her catchy tunes and exhilarating moves. We all remember that Super Bowl. But isn't it interesting... Son, look away! (laughs) Isn't it interesting that they honor someone with exhilarating 
music and all these moves, moves. with a statue that doesn't move. Yes, there you go. Frozen in time. Or is it possible that it's like a giant bobblehead or something and it, it has a little shake to it or something? Uh, oh. I don't know. I, I wouldn't put anything out yeah. at this point. The 20-foot-tall monument depicts the multiple Grammy and Latin Grammy winner in one of her famous belly dancing outfits with her hips swaying to her right and her arms raised gracefully toward the sky. A plaque under the statue says that on February 2nd, 1977, the town of Barranquilla, <laughs> and the world witnessed the birth of a heart that composes, hips that don't lie, a voice that moves masses, and a pair of bare feet that walk for the good of the children and humanity. You know, guys, I didn't read this article before coming in. <laughs> I got nervous there for just a minute. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Pronounce the name of the city again one more time. Barranquilla. There we go. That that breaks the awkwardness. Now we can. The statue keep located on a recently built promenade along the Magdalena River that runs along the edge of town was unveiled in a small ceremony on Tuesday, attended by Shakira's parents and the mayor, Jamie Pumareo. Okay, we're getting the mayor's name, so I think we've. We've Did, gotten past the lead here. So it said that it was attended by her parents. Did Shakira small crowd make the the trip? Uh, you know that that That's is an question. excellent question. Is there uh, any pictures of Shakira? I think I said that right. Next to the statue, I do not see that. Uh, also, it's not. I'm just learning. It's not the first bronze statue of Shakira in this town of Barranquilla. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, they have another monument that depicts her in her early days. Hmm. And I don't know why I wanted to bring this up. Part of the reason is I had no idea what I was going to share with you guys tonight. <laughs> so, so how long... But I just think it's absurd. How long till everyone's favorite Taylor Swift reads about this and has a bronze statue made in honor of... Where's, where's the, the hometown? Taylor I version. think it would have to go at this point in Kansas City. Because she's, uh, well, I don't know. Favorite. If Kelsey continues to struggle this much, <laughs> they may not be in Kansas City That's very right. much and then longer. They would topple it over yeah. because she has ruined their mojo or whatever. She would probably, they would probably cast a statue of her out of bronze. She wouldn't like it, and she would make a Taylor's version. She'd make her and own it would version. Be her own version. <laughs> And then and release then, it and then to ask, the millions. Ask all of her fans to never look at the original version That's right. of the statue. Avert your eyes from the original. <laughs> Do you know that because of the... Now, you brought it up. Uh, so I did. Because did. of her re-recording these albums, she gets double credit for them. She has... I, I heard this in passing. I'm not sure exactly how to put it, but she she moved past Elvis Presley for longest time of having the number one slot of album of the year on Billboard. Not album of the year, number one album on Billboard. He had so many weeks and she passed it because she's always got a version of an album or a new album out. And he was never auto-tuned. I just want to say that. He was not. He did just not re-record. Well, but, I I don't know. The Vegas show was kind of a redo of a lot of this stuff. And they may not have been auto-tuned, but there may have been some lip-syncing involved there. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh. He was not in the greatest I don't know of, if we need to... Get, he was not in the greatest of condition during the Vegas days. I, no one can argue that. There was a lot of sweat going into that oh, scarf there. Oh, yeah. thank you very much. 
Scylla, bring me a nanner sandwich. <laughs> Peanut butter nanner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fried bologna sandwich. Peanut butter nanner sandwich. That's a pretty, pretty good office. <sighs> Thank if you If this very preaching much. thing doesn't work out, you could be out there marrying people in Vegas one day. Hey, my hips don't lie. I can do it. I could do the Elvis thing. Speaking of Shakira. 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 Now, the only thing, to to circle back, I want to see the national attention given to the Charles Barkley statue in front of the Leeds High School right what, here in Leeds, Alabama. That's a great statue. That's and at least 20 feet, don't you think? Probably. And it's a, it's it's a great foot. pose of him with a basketball, like making a basketball move. Yep. Now, it was Charles from his playing days, not Charles now. It's not the current. Except Charles right now, I think, he is has, doing pretty well. I think so, I mean, yeah. I think he's, I, he's got some, some kind of... Dropped some weight. Um, he's got some kind of a news show with Gail King. Oh, really? Have really? seen that? No. I haven't yeah, watched no. it. I just... No, I haven't seen that. Publicized. Hmm. All right. What else? Um, re- we ready to go to another one? Yeah. Yeah, I think right. we've... Okay. Bled, um, uh, every now and again, if you'll dry. just throw in the name of the town, that would be perfect. Barakia. There we go. Uh, definitely will be part of the title of this episode. <laughs> it should be. It's great. Uh, this is uh, Dateline Today from UPI. Boy 13 becomes first to ever beat Tetris for Nintendo system. A 13-year-old gamer is uh, believed to be the first human to ever beat Tetris on the original Nintendo Entertainment System. Willis Gibson, who goes by the handle Blue Scooty online, <laughs> achieved the feat that had previously only ever been accomplished by artificial intelligence when he reached the 34-year-old game's kill screen, the point where the game crashes because the software can't advance further. Also, he has no girlfriend. I think that goes without saying, I believe. How old is he? 13. Oh. And so he was well, playing Tetris on the NES, uh, and nobody's ever made it other than artificial intelligence to the end of the game. Well, um, I mean, not all of us who do that have to go tell the papers that about it. That is true. Um, I just want just uh, just so you have some details here, Gibson's among the competitive Tetris players who use a technique called rolling, which involves rolling the fingers of one hand on the back of an NES controller to push it into their other hand allowing them to press the directional pad more than 20 times a second. Did y'all ever do that with uh, NES? No. No. Was he using the original square controller or rectangular question. controller? I don't know. I is don't know. he so is he is it just blind luck and he's just No, apparently gaming the is, system with this move? Well, I mean that those directions have to be what needs yeah, to happen I mean, in the game. Yeah, you can't just get right? lucky on that. And so apparently there's a picture you know, that goes along with this that shows his score at 999,999. I think that's when he blew it Broke up it. or whatever, right? So, you know. so mm-hmm. the thing, Nintendo, I looked it up. The NES came out, it was launched, test launch in New York City, October 18th, 1985. Okay. So, and this is, they're saying that, since 1985, so. So this is Tetris's 34. 40 years, 38 yeah, years. This is Tetris's 34 years old. Okay, so, so in 34 years, years he's, they think he's the first human to first do this. First human to ever do this. Right? You know there's someone reading that article today that's like, man, in 1989 or right. 1992, I, I beat it. No, nobody, no one was there right. to see it. And you know what? My brother pulled the plug out of the wall. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. when I was trying When I was going to get my 35 millimeter to take a picture of it or something, you know. Um, 
I have a couple questions. First of all, a 13-year-old, why is he still playing the NES? Yeah. So apparently competitive Tetris is – did y'all ever play Tetris? I, I did, mean, yeah. Did you? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I did not. I didn't play um, it on the NES, I don't think. I've played it on an app on my phone at some mm-hmm. point. Maybe. I don't remember what I've played it on. Yeah. It says uh, Vince Clemente, the president of the Classic Tetris World Championship, said that if Gibson's feat is independently confirmed, he will officially be the first human to ever beat the NES version of Tetris. Well, let's hope he has it confirmed before, you know, kind of what happened to the skydiving lady. We know what happened. At 13, I think he probably lives to see it confirmed. Let's speed this process up. All right, so here's here's what I wanted to ask in relation to this, right? So this prompted a thought. And, um, you know, for the three of us in this room, we pretty much span the history of video games. Yeah. Um, I have in my attic a game system that is probably about, you know, a f- 18 inches by a foot that has mm-hmm. two controllers physically on the game system. Yeah, and we had po- that. And it's a Pong game. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that, you know, that was the start of it all. Yeah. You know, the boop, 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 mm-hmm. boop, you know. And, um, you know, from there to, to now. So I wanted to ask you guys, um, Jonathan and I were just having like random conversations. I don't know if we were driving down the road and passing time, but I asked him for like his top five over the holidays, top five video games of all time. So, so question for you guys is what was your favorite video game ever? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the yeah. other question after that is what was, was there a game that sort of was the, end of the line for you it was really the last thing you played with any regularity um <laughs> jason and i know yeah. each other's I, answers I, on that I, second I, part let me answer the second part okay. for for the both of us yeah. so, we do it at the same time i think as as embarrassing as it is we were probably in our 20s it was well, pre-children you were you may have been you may have been let's see that would have been my child what was years born, was barton was 30 here? when Ava was born, and that kind of coincide. Yeah, so it was late twenty, mid to late twenties, and, and and the game was Halo. Halo. Yeah, Halo. We would go to Barton's house on Sunday afternoons, and sometimes on Sunday before nights. Before he was married. Before he was married, and sit in a dark room looking at a tiny little TV, and play Halo. Three or four of us would go play to the point that our eyes would hurt, and our wives would call to make sure that we were okay and still alive. I can remember rolling out of his apartment at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night sometimes. Late. Yeah, from it playing. was fun. So I wondered, was if a lot the, of fun. I wondered if Halo was the end of it. So, That's uh, probably you know, the last game I played regularly. Right. I've never touched and, a and, console <clears throat> since then. Since then. And so, you know, my part of that story is they did invite me. I, I want it to be clear that I was not shunned from this event. They invited me to come over somewhere along the timeline of that mm-hmm. period. And... You know, there's two challenges. One is that I was left behind in the dust by video systems probably a a couple of generations earlier. Mm -hmm. Let me just basically say that I did not make it further than a joystick and a button. Um, Mm. When controllers began to have, you know, 
four things for each hand. If you know me, you know you know I can't make a legitimate three with my right hand, much less have the dexterity to uh, to handle a controller of that nature. And so, um, so I so I went over and uh, one time, and I ran into the wall a lot. I blew mm-hmm. myself up constantly, and I got motion sick. Yeah, <laughs> you and, turned a shade of green and said, guys. I think I'm going to be sick. I'm I'm just going to go home. Going home. Is that I, when you discovered you got motion sickness no, with big screen I don't action? I, I don't know if I told this already on this podcast, but the thing that got me that that made me realize this was I was taking training at work, mm-hmm. strike training for the possible job of going to. Uh, so I work for AT and T. I think maybe on this, am I supposed to say, I work walk, work for a large telecommunication provider. You know, yeah. so I'm not supposed to say the name of the company no, or something. I don't know. Too late. Anyhow, too late for AT&T. That. And, um, and so my job was if, so I'm in a management position. If there was a strike, I was going to a central office somewhere. And so in a central office, there's, you know, it looks like large bookshelves with rows. And, and then within those rows, there's slots and there's, copper pairs that go into things and that's basically where the telephone service comes from Mm -hmm. and so i was having to learn how to read all that so like if you get here's a here's an order and you know joe's phone service has gone out and you've got to go find his connection up here and see if you know perhaps uh you know the wire's broken or something so um so there, there was this virtual training where you would walk down, you know, walk into the door and you walk down this aisle and turn and look and go look up and down and find the row and find the cable and find and it the didn't pair. go well. And about an hour in, I was like, I think I'm sick because I'd been turning left and right and doing all this. And so clearly Halo was not for me. Um, no. I picture that virtual training having like the same graphics as the Oregon Trail oh, circa 86, right 87. <laughs> yeah. You you nailed it. This yeah. I think I was taking this training in 2008. Yeah. And it was it Pretty was about bad. that, you know, along those lines. So, um, okay, so that is where it all ended, right? So, yeah. I will say that it ended for me behind that and I made it to the PS2. Mm-hmm. Millie bought me a PlayStation 2, but we, we were actually talking about this the other day as well. She bought it because I liked to play Tiger Woods. I know the game you're going to say. Oh, yeah, great and, game. And so how do you play it? With a joystick and, like, one button. <clears throat> tap, 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 tap. Make it go back fast. Back you know, and you know, forward. Make it back up. <laughs> make that ball back in. And I liked it because you played real golf courses, and so mm-hmm. I played Pebble yeah. Beach all the time. Yeah. And so, like, when the Pebble Beach Pro-Am would come on TV, you know, it, it was like, I know right where that is. That's on, you know, hole number 17, yeah. and it's going down this way, and it's going to, you know. And so it was really cool. Uh, so that's where it ended for me. Now, the other question is, Favorite, favorite game ever just the one that sort of sticks in your mind I, you, you know it, it doesn't have to be like better than everything else but the one that sort of was the hallmark for, for well you. as we, as we answer this question can we also say which game systems we had because mine's kind of weird yeah. yeah yeah okay so i'll do that first <laughs> and i'll tell you the game i liked so um i had pong mm-hmm. i was so little i barely remember that that was probably more my dad than anybody. And then uh, we did not, 
invest in an Atari because that would have been too normal. We got a TI-99 4A. <laughs> they called it a computer, but it... From Radio Shack, right? I, I don't they, know where it came... Well, Texas, no, Instruments, Texas Instruments was right down yeah, the road yeah. from my house. Okay, all right. Or a Texas Instruments place. That sounds like the calculators we had to buy for school or whatever. Well, yeah, so. that's where they made their big money. But this was... The the competitor for the TI-99 4A was the Commodore 64. Okay, I had a Commodore 64. So it was like that. Um, and it had... It, we just played games on that. Mm-hmm. And I had some games I liked, but not my favorite. And then we had the... What, what did y'all call it? NES, the original Nintendo. Right. And that had like Duck Hunt, right? Was Duck like, Hunt came, came with, with it. it. Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario Brothers, okay. Um... We got that years after everyone else had one. Uh, and then there was the first PC in my house came with came with some games. Wow. But my favorite game was um, Super Tech Mobile. All right. To play with my brothers. Yeah. And I was the New York Giants every time. So I we had an Atari growing up, and I can't say that it was mine. I'm pretty sure it was my dad's. Um, was it a 2600? It was the joystick and button. I don't remember yeah, which so one that was. <clears throat> um, the first gaming system I really remember was the NES system. And we played a lot of games on it. On it, Major League Baseball was probably the one we played the most of. Mm-hmm. Um, but the pinnacle of my gaming was during 97, 98, 99, freshman, sophomore, definitely freshman, sophomore year in college. And... Uh, NFL Blitz. We played it nonstop. We had tournaments. It was on on PS1. And we played it constantly. And then we played NCAA 98 Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. Those two games caused more fights and altercations than anything I remember from college. Because they would get very competitive. Like we'd have a tournament and... I mean, it got ugly sometimes, but I was on the NFL Blitz. I was always the Denver Broncos, and I dominated. <laughs> if any of my college buddies are listening to this, which they're not, you know I dominated. Was that John Elway? That's after Elway's time. I don't even remember who it was. Now, it may have been Shannon Sharp was one of the receivers. I remember that. And they were it – was, it was this bigger than life. It was kind of like the NBA Jam – for football and it was it was it was a lot of fun yeah wasted a lot of my time that i should have been studying <laughs> playing that game sure <clears throat> so for me was pong atari 2600 which i got best christmas present i ever got seventh grade just just had come out and was the best ever um and then millie bought me the ps2 uh-huh. And that that was really it. It really all ended for me, really, with the, the Atari twenty six hundred. So I had like you know the little crates of of those cartridges, cartridges. right? You know, and I was thinking about those because, um, you know, for what my favorite game was, I think I'd probably have to just go with Space Invaders because it was the mm-hmm. first really good game for the Atari twenty six hundred. Mm-hmm. It came along pretty quick. Um, and I played it a ton. Probably played it more than anything else. Was Missile Command on that? Missile well, Command we was played a lot it. of yep, Missile Command, Command as a young, young kid. But you I know, remember that game. One of the things I remember about it, because I also liked Frogger, and then later on Donkey Kong was, yeah. was made for the Atari 2600. Mm-hmm. But 
there were some of those, and I think Frogger was an example of one that was not an Atari game. And so somehow... It's like an arcade uh, game? It, it, well, it was, it was written by somebody other than Atari, and somehow they were allowed to create an Atari version of that game that would go in the Atari system. And it's like, that's something that's pretty odd that, you know, like, all these things are pretty proprietary, right? PlayStation makes PlayStation games, Nintendo makes Nintendo. But it was like, I remember like Activision or something made mm-hmm. one of these, you know. And so I don't know if they just allowed people to write, you know, because they sort of had the market cornered for a while. Yeah, for a little while. Yeah. So anyhow. You all remember the first time you heard a voice speaking through your game system? Double dribble. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was probably one of the yeah. first. Like, wow, it talks. It does. No, that was awesome. And I was also thinking about, you know, with the Atari 2600, um, well, and even with the Pong game, you know, how you connected it to your TV. Yes. So we had a box in the back that slid up and down mm-hmm. and had a slider on it. And it's like if you wanted to watch TV, you slid it one way, mm-hmm. and it would just somehow you connected your antenna on two screws in that box and then there were two outputs that you connected like the antenna to the back of the TV and so it it would be game on one end and TV mm-hmm. on the other end hmm. and then you would you'd turn it on channel 3 or 4 because mm-hmm. there'd be some switch over here uh, cuz yeah, like yeah, if, you know if if channel 3 or 4 was a local channel for yeah. you it wouldn't work right you, you had get all to, this interference yeah. You'd have to flip it to the other channel. Yep. And so, <laughs> you know, it's just... The, that brings it, back a lot of Isn't that crazy how, how, yeah. how much that... Because I was telling Jonathan when we were having this discussion the other day, it's like, you know, all of that stuff, you know, that that's the reason that, like, you know, your stuff looks like a rock concert in real life and oh, yeah. all this stuff, you know, it's, you know, in those generations of... And in 40 probably, years... You know, 35, 40 yeah, years. Yeah, 35, 40 years. It's come from mm. boop, boop, boop to, you know, basically something that looks like real life. Well, you don't even get a game cartridge anymore. Right. You you yeah. you go on and you download it and right. poof, it's magically there. And you're playing it in the cloud. And one of the most popular games, Minecraft, where it looks, looks like 8-bit right. technology. And Jonathan, put, funny enough, I, when I asked him his top five... He started with Super Mario Kart and... Which is a great game. And, and you know, he had Rocket League and Splatoon on there, and he said, I have to change my list. Minecraft's number one. And I was like... I don't, I I was don't like, get it. I was like, Jonathan, why? And he said, because every time you go in, there's something else to do, and there's something new about it, and I've never... There's nothing I've to never do. even approached it to, to even no. look at what he's... What are you, you doing, know, I, son? I'm, I'm digging a, a hole. Yeah, digging a hole, building a wall. You know, and yeah. it's like, are there zombies? What does this or, mean, right? Yeah. I mean, what? Know. How do What's you the, win? Com- yeah, how do you win the game? Yeah, but he put how? that at the top of his list, and That's I'm like, it's troubling. <laughs> I don't know. That's why we're not rich. We don't understand what addicts young people. Yeah, it's it's them the in. video game. We don't know system. how to hook them in, and I. You know, I pick on my kids about playing video games all the time, but I would love to have the hours back that I spent playing video games, probably starting in 95, 96, whenever the PS1 came out, up until I graduated college. 
I mean, you talk about being he, he, a master. He made the 10,000-hour rule. On the, <laughs> I, you became I, a master. There, it's possible. <laughs> E-sport, e-sports is EA Sports, a thing. Stay, stay I'm talking about line. there's something – there's competitive oh, yeah. video school. game sports right. now. That's I mean, yeah, they yeah. do. They Absolutely. have a maybe e-sports. can go pro. No, no, I'm. I, I I tried playing a game with the kids and like I was looking up at the sky, spinning in circles, and it wasn't going well at all. So I have something just to, to interesting to bring to the table. It's an article I found right before Christmas, and I, I thought it would be an interesting discussion to have with all of us. And, of course, now I've got to try to figure out where it where it went. Um, give me just a minute to get this pulled up. This is not supposed to be happening. Oh, here we go. So uh, after a Katie family and uh, finds batteries in their burger... Uh, KPRC2 viewers share the shocking things they've discovered in their food. So this was an article about uh, uh, folks that went to a burger place, like a fast food burger place, and they found uh, two batteries in their hamburgers, like like AAA batteries, mm-hmm. which is an odd thing to end up. Well, that's not in. an accident. No, is that it? And I think I remember us talking on one of our podcasts early on about at Halloween how our family used to go through our candy and check it yeah. for stuff. But what's the weirdest thing you've ever found in your food at a restaurant? Because it happens yeah. from time to time. We've all had the fly doing the backstroke in our drink. Or, yeah. or a nice know, long hair. And uh, I, I have racked you know. my brain. I don't know. I remember one time finding a caterpillar on the lettuce in a salad. But we had an office... Uh, Christmas lunch one time and we were all sitting around eating and one of the ladies that works with us said oh my goodness what is this in my salad and it was half of a praying mantis Mm. now I believe we all know where the Mm. other half was protein protein her and and so that's that's that, one that praying mantis had it coming though those things are vicious they're evil creatures evil creatures but have y'all ever had an experience where you've gone to a restaurant and you've you've got your food you're about to to chow down and you take a bite and it's like what is this I, I, just a lot of hair and yeah. uh i'll be honest there there are times when it's so good i just pull hair off and just keep going I can you. do it. Yeah, I can live with i can live with hair because you know what hair to the side you've and, eaten a uh, lot of hair you didn't know that's right Quit trying to act like your food from the restaurant is in pristine condition. Who if you are want you food people? without hair, <laughs> if you, if you want, what is listen, wrong with you? If you want food without hair in listen, it, then I, cook it at home. If I waited forty-five minutes to get this plate, I'm going to wait forty-five minutes <laughs> yeah, to get yeah. the next plate. Yeah, but and I'm hungry. If your uh, first, if your first plate has the hair net, your second plate may have the hair <laughs> that was supposed to be held up by the. Now, hair if it net. was the hair net, I'm that telling you, that's going net. back. Now, I got a sandwich, a burger, one time. I don't remember where. It's probably one of my favorite fast food establishments that has square patties i won't name their name but we all know who we're talking mm, about bacon eater it's great one time i got it and instead of there being a, like cheese on there there was some cheese but there was like the wax paper that goes on the cheese yeah. and that was an odd bite i had to just gotta get, send that one back. i had that'll, to get rid well, of that that'll mess you up because you're, you're going to definitely bite into that and it's a you're bad it's a bad texture it's a weird done. yeah mm. But I didn't know. I, you know, I'm amazed as many fellowship meals as we have all shared here that we've not found more weird stuff in some of those meals. I found some weird stuff on plates that turned out to be the intended dish for the fellowship <laughs> meal. 
You're like, what is uh, oh, this science this, project? <laughs> somebody put something that's not food on this plate. No, that's that's my casserole. Uh, Tim, you made a face like you have a story. <laughs> no, uh, it's just, you know, I, Millie and I have responsibility for fellowships, right? It's, uh, it's part of my deacon responsibilities. And so um, it, it's just, it's a little ironic that my dream is for there to be no more fellowship meals. <laughs> now, I want there to be plenty of fellowship, but fellowship meals just are a little mess stressful. Me We're up. in the suburbs. They, I tell you what, you go out in the country, it's a whole different ball game out there. You know, Munford, the church Al- fellowship Munford meals. Alabama, I'd be asking Mama, where's your stuff? What ain't Peggy bring today? You know? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Um, where, oh, man. Fresh yeah. vegetables. I used to try to find my grandmother's my grandmother's dishes and Miss Willie Mae Warren's dishes. Oh, if they fried she chicken. some of the there's best some, food. There'd be some serious Both fried chicken. Oh, Cat slobber on your chocolate pie. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Real meringue. Some people tell me they like, like my meringue. finger. It'd have I meringue on it. it. Yeah, me yeah. too. <laughs> I love be. it. And when's the last time you've had meringue on your pie? Mm, it's been a while. Real know, meringue. It's been a pie. long time. But yeah. um, come you know, on, hot ma- banana pudding like that's been cooked. Now that mac- mac- macaroni and cheese like God intended for it to baked. be cooked, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now my my wife's grandmother still makes good banana pudding, and it's got the real meringue on the top, mm. and it is it come is on. my favorite dish in the entire world that's right good. now. But uh, yeah, I didn't think about you know, y'all being in charge of the the fellowship. That is a lot of stress. The um, you know the congealed salad that's in the shape of that Tupperware thing that you have yeah. to flip upside down yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I was a big fan of that. Uh, that and, was that was a staple at uh, Sunday dinner sometimes. And these too, days, so. it seems like we get a nice mix of KFC, yeah. maybe some Jack's chicken fingers, and then it's like people. Or like, what do we have in our cupboard tonight that I can make a casserole out well, of? I'm going know, there. We're, we're Let's the throw suburb. some corn. The women have to work out Let's here. Let's throw some cornflakes on I, top. It'll I make think it you're good. You're onto something. And I know and there's you, only so much you, time in a day. I know you visited places, and so you have data points here. You know that is true. I mean, because you know you get a meal when you're the visiting preacher. If you're going, you're going to get a meal if it's a Sunday thing. Usually. Yeah, and let me tell you, it is tough to do. Church eat church in the country mm-hmm. after all that food. Oh, yeah. Them cat head biscuits sitting on, back your, up. sitting on your back up. Sitting your, on my chest. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's worth it, but it now, is Now, I hard. don't want to say that, you know, nobody here at Asheville Road knows what they're doing or anything. I would so, never oh, insinuate I know, that. Because I, I know that everybody <laughs> on the, you know, everybody in the church directory is listening to this. And so we're... Whoever you may be, we're not talking about you. Now, I will say, if it um, were, if it was not for church fellowship meals, I would have never found Camilla Schultz snowy mashed potatoes. I've had the greatest know, mashed yes. potatoes in the world. <laughs> Nothing tops. Really them. good. That's great. Now, we use my cholesterol goes we up. Cassie's recipe. That's it. Was that Camilla's? That's it. That's we used it, it hey, just the other day. Um, a uh, another. Um, country staple would be somebody's fried pies oh uh-huh. somebody have some yeah. fried pies now we we used to have the fried pies here we did yeah we did the lees would bring them yeah, yeah. they can't come anymore oh man they'd also bring them apple uh, dumplings sister uh, nona so tim's good. fried pies in <laughs> munford mm-hmm. alabama was uh man i'm was gonna a hit. i mean you it was almost like you had to be part of the the mafia or something you know hey 
you know, saved you one. Right, saved you one over here because you know, like first ten people in the in the line would wipe out the fried pies yeah. or whatever. So now I'm gonna have to go home and have a second supper. I'm hungry. <laughs> We started talking about things in the food and ended talking about how heavenly did, food. How did this discussion turn positive? I mean, it was like, what's the nastiest thing you've ever found in your food? Well, I'll and tell instead you of talking how. about Band-Aids and fingernails, yeah. we're I, on to meringue pie. Hey, and I'll tell you how. We are experts at the podcast. That's how. That's right. And at food. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely an expert at food. You can look at 10,000 hours in on all that. Yeah, that's true. are ready for our quote for this episode of Passages, and uh, tonight's quote comes from Ralph Waldo Emerson, so a 19th century writer, um, did just a tad of research today about him, so he he was, uh, what, a transcendentalist, I think, or something yeah. like that, um, so yeah. he believed, he looked for God in nature, I think yeah, that's is some of the kind of what I found basic of that. Um, he, I, I did also find a you know interesting point. He went by Waldo, right? So I saw that we read the same Wikipedia article, or maybe. Do you it, have Wikipedia? Um, I have Google, and so okay. I'm sure that's where it was referenced. Is Wikipedia like Compton's Encyclopedia? Is it? I bought a to? set of Wikipedia's. Uh, <laughs> did I get from a, from a door to door salesman? <laughs> <laughs> Did somebody pull the wool over my eyes? Is that free? <laughs> oh, me. All right, t- here is uh, tonight's quote. Enthusiasm is one of the most powerful engines of success. When you do a thing, do it with all your might. Put your whole soul into it. Stamp it with your own personality. Be active, be energetic, be enthusiastic and faithful, and you will accomplish your object. Nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. So I don't want to, so this was my my contribution uh, to our our quotes. um, And I don't want to leave you with the thought that I do a great deal of reading of Emerson. um, That would be far-fetched. I heard uh, a sportscaster uh, make a reference to this quote, and he said that basically he carried it around in his briefcase with him, hmm. and um, and and he said that this meant a lot to him. It had been something that that he had read, and and it stuck with him. And uh, he made the comment that if you encounter people who are just too cool to really care about anything, we've all met those folks, mm-hmm. right? Just, you know, just so Cynical. Cool, and right. You know. Nothing's right, nothing, worth anything. Right, exactly. That uh, basically he said, don't waste your time on those people. He said, you know, those, he's, those people mm-hmm. are not going to, they're not going to reach any kind of level of success. He said, you know, talent, some people have talent and some people don't, but the enthusiasm that you that that you exhibit toward whatever it is in life is going to make the determination of 
what you do with what you have. Mm -hmm. And you may have all the talent in the world, but if you have that attitude of, you know, I, I don't really care about anything or nothing's really important to me or nothing's really important at all. Um, Enthusiasm is a real driver of us being successful at anything. Yeah. I, I like the idea that you can turn this on or off. Yeah. Because, uh, and I've been thinking about this a lot because I'm teaching attitudes on Sunday mornings. And the biggest objection to attitudes, attitude adjustments, is, uh, well, I don't really have a choice in how I feel. And Emerson's saying here, you can turn this on. You can be an enthusiastic person. Yeah. There's something wrong in you that you can fix, or maybe it's just a determination. I'm going to quit being so cynical and negative, and I'm going to start looking at worthwhile things as worthwhile mm-hmm. because there are things that have value yeah. in this world. Well, right? And feelings can deceive you. Feelings can, yeah. can lie. Feelings can be false. And I, I like the idea of he's he's basically saying take action. Um, you know, whatever you do, do it with all your might. Put your soul into it. Stamp it with your personality. Be active. Be energetic. I mean, these are all active terms. They're not sitting back being passive. And as you read it, Tim, I thought, man, if I were to wake up every morning and put on this type of an attitude and, and put on some enthusiasm and then go to work with that, Man, how much different would my day be just on the side of I'm carrying a positive outlook instead of the, oh, man, I got to go to work today, which is what a lot of us do. We have great jobs. We enjoy what we do. Um, We're going to be doing them for a while, but we do have this tendency to kind of just be like, oh, ho-hum, here we go again. And instead of going in and saying, man, I got an opportunity to help people. I got an opportunity to do this or to right. do that and, and show some know, today, energy with today it. Today can be the best day I've ever had, yeah. right? I can mm. do something really important today. I can you know, try to positively <clears throat> impact somebody else. I can try to bleed this attitude over to others. Yep. Um, and so know, much or of we it. can just you know, let another day happen to yeah. us and <laughs> act like we don't really – care yeah well and so much of it is making a choice before you get into the day too because when you get into the day and bad things start happening if you've already made a choice of i'm going to be enthusiastic i'm going to be positive i'm going to be energetic i'm going to be active i'm going to put my heart whole heart and soul into what i'm doing how you respond to negative events is going to be a lot better and a lot different than it is if you wake up with the oh no what's today going to bring which is kind of how i live most mornings yeah, but I like how you were describing getting yourself energized again. You did something there. You said something like, "I'm, you know, my job helps people." Yeah. You you get that enthusiasm by reminding yourself of your why, your motivation. Yeah, exactly. Why did I start this to begin with? Why am I in this job? Do I really have to be doing this job? No. I don't have to be doing anything that I'm doing. I chose it. Why did I choose it? And, mm-hmm. you know, just by reminding yourself, you don't have to do anything. You get to do what you're doing. And you can change what you're doing if you really want to. And uh, that that's, that's what it's all about is finding your motivation, remembering your motivation. Right. You know, um, I, I don't know about y'all, but I, I grew up on – 
some scriptures coming out of, in particular, my mom's mouth, right? And so, you know, there were things that you heard over and over and over, and y'all probably have some of those as well. And one of those, you know, basically comes, you know, I think uh, whether Emerson really realized it or not, he was quoting Ecclesiastes 9, you know, that says, whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all your might, mm-hmm. uh, right? And so... Um, it also sounds like Colossians 3.23, um, do it heartily as unto God, not, unto, right. not, unto, not men, unto men. Right. Um, and Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto God, not unto men. Right. And yeah. I, I think I've told you guys before, a guy I worked with that's retired now uh, that I, I shared a cubicle wall with for a number of years had that, you know, a, an 8 by 11 just printed off a PowerPoint slide version of that verse on his wall. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's a good one because it's like, you know, we all work for God, whatever yeah. our trade is. And that's that's the point he was making by what he was displaying there is, you know, we can all, you know, if if we if we just look at what the people around us are doing, you know, sometimes they're going to disappoint and you know, sometimes we're not going to agree with the direction. It's not going to be what we would have done if we get to run everything, you know. And um, but if we think about we're, we all we all work for the same boss, and that's God. Mm-hmm. Um, that that sort of changes everything. Now, this whole thing, you know, this this verse about whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. I think brings an interesting challenge to us as well. And this quote said the same thing. When you do a thing, do it with all your might. If you take that out to its full extent, it feels exhausting, right? Whatever you find to do, do it with all your might. It's like, good grief, that's just, that's unattainable. I think there's something here also that says, sort of limit the things you do, mm-hmm. right? Simplify. And so, right, and, and so we talked about that a lot during COVID, right? How mm-hmm. how when yeah, our, we life, were going when to our do life it. got simple, you know, huh. we, we talked about, well, this is terrible. We can't be around each other, except for those of us that snuck up to the church building mm-hmm. and <laughs> hung out together. But, uh, <laughs> um, but just, you know, we, being the, the simple life was, was great, and... You know, we were sort of forced into that simple life. But just this whole idea of um, you can't do a million things with all your might. You've got So to, you shouldn't do a million things. You shouldn't do a million things, yeah. right? You should do a hundred things or ten things. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you, you should you, – part of, part of having enthusiasm in your life is determining what are the important things – I need to focus my energies on mm-hmm. and then put your energies into them, right? Yep. You know, I mean, act like they're important because you've chosen them so they are, you, you've you placed importance on them. Yeah, yeah. It's not just like, well, every corner you turn around, you got to hit it at 100 miles an hour. No, nobody can do that. You're going to end up being, you know, completely burned out and that's, 
that's a detractor from enthusiasm. Well, and if you're if you're struggling with trying to figure out what those things are that you do well or that you're enthusiastic about, start paying attention to how many things you go, oh, no, how did I get involved in this? And when you find those things, if they're not critical to your life or to the health and life of somebody else, drop them. Yeah, um, because we all, them. Yeah, we you all, know, you might be in a yeah. position where it's something you don't have to do. Yeah. One of the best pieces of advice I got ever in practice was, um, I don't even remember if it was a consultant, I think it was, or at some conference, the guy handed out a, a, a sheet of paper of all the tasks that have to happen from when a patient walks in the door to that patient leaves the office. And he said, I want you to go through and circle everything on that list that you're required to do by your license. And so out of a list of just single space, multiple columns, it was like five things. He said, focus on those things. Find other people to do the other things. Mm-hmm. And he said, you will find that you don't burn out when you do that. And I'm a controller. I have a hard time doing that sometimes. I'm and terrible that's, that's, at that. That's, that's, that's on me. But so often, if we just take time to be in, do the things we're enthusiastic about and put our efforts and energy into positive things, man, it changes our outlook on so much. And not pay attention to how people respond to them. Because sometimes yeah. I get caught up when I'm enthusiastic about something and I walk into a setting where everybody else is not. That'll sap Way your too often I let their lack of enthusiasm enthusiasm take it away from me right. mm-hmm. instead of just saying, you know what, I'm not responsible for how these people react. I can mm-hmm. only control how I react and what I'm doing, and I'm going to choose to remain enthusiastic. And I think if you can do that, your enthusiasm will end up being contagious. Yeah, it you will know, be. It will not just fall on deaf ears. It, you may not convert the world to your energy in something but you'll convert someone and you'll find the people that are most interested in helping that's right and the ones that are going to be the workers right and and that that was the whole point of the person who was quoting emerson that i heard it was talking about where do you invest your time don't go investing your time in people who don't care Mm-hmm. Now, now you know, there's a lot of different ways to take that, right? And so, you know, when we're talking about uh, trying to share the gospel with people or whatever, I mean, that some of that is, you know, helping them, cre- you know, establish that desire and that care. And so that's a little different, right? But when we're just talking in general about, um, you know, where are you going to devote your energy and when are you, where are you going to invest in others and try to help people grow you're gonna you you need to do that where it's most fruitful and that's where people care mm-hmm. right and it, it it's not always where there is the greatest talent but give me mm-hmm. care you know with and the care is going to take you as far if not further than the talent ever will yeah i agree with that I also think that as we age and as we gain skills, the same things aren't going to continue to enthuse us. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. That's natural. We Mm -hmm. need to grow with our skills and interests. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use Tim as an example here. 
When I first moved to this church, Tim was in charge of VBS, and there was nobody more enthusiastic about Vacation Bible School than Tim Layton. He put hours into that thing. And um, every year, Tim was trying to think of how to make the next year better. But you got to the point where you were ready to do something else, you know. And it's not... I think in some ways your enthusiasm for VBS has waned. Not your consideration of how important it is, but it's it's just that you've kind of outgrown that role, and there's there's other things that you would like to do. Right. And so we're always adjusting our our tasks and our opportunities to our growth to keep ourselves enthused. That's right. And and I think that, you know, one of the things that we need to do, if, if we hone this in and talk about church work a little bit, right, is um, the, the church has a history of, of burning people out, right? And, yeah. and not, of, not of anybody's fault. It's just sort of, the way things happen, right? So, um, you know, you teach the nursery class and, you know, all of a sudden, 30 years later, you're still teaching the nursery class. Now, that doesn't happen at Asheville Road. I think Asheville <laughs> Road, you know, does a good job of getting people in and out of classes and things like that. But mm-hmm. I'm talking general, right? I mean, I right. probably all could quote somebody, you know, that taught a Bible class for 30 years, you know, I did vacation Bible school for, you know, 25 or so. And, and you're, you're right. You get to the point where, you know, I got to the point where what I wanted to see was I wanted to see, I think, I, I think I'm not tricking myself by saying what I wanted to see was vacation Bible school, which is, you know, something that was near and dear to my heart for a long time, continue to be successful and even get better but with me having a reduced role in it, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of John Maxwell talks about the law of legacy and and that you're not really a leader if um, when you leave something, it falls apart. Yeah. And I know all of us have heard people say, nobody can do this like you, Jason Pullum, and when you walk away from it, we don't know what we're going to do. And they say that with good intentions, but that's a bad thing, right? Right. That's because, when you should say, then I have failed. Right. That's right. Because and, and so, your goal should be to work yourself right. out of that That's position. right. Exactly. And, Training but, others but, to do your But position. for that function to, to have the possibility to be just as good or hopefully better than ever, right? And so, you know, these situations where we see, you know, a magnificent preacher leave a church and it crumbles, that's a failure, right? Maybe not a failure of that preacher, but a failure of maybe a lot of leaders or whatever. I mean, you know, I, I think it's going to be very interesting um you know, completely another direction, right? What happens when Nick Saban leaves University of Alabama? Because he's very much about leadership, right? And so Mm -hmm. when Bear Bryant left Alabama, there was a 
there was a real mm-hmm. dip, right? And there were some rough years there. But I think he is a lot about the law of legacy. And so, you know, some leaders really want to see, you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna love me even more when I'm gone, right? Mm-hmm. You're gonna appreciate me when I'm gone because this you're place is realize, going down the right, toilet, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. And but I think you know. So what he does, you know, does he handpick a successor? Does he put his blessing on them? You know that kind of thing to try to allow success to continue. That applies to all of us, right? And it's like, and and that requires an adjustment of the ego, right? Because you have to think about, well, what really am I trying to accomplish here? And it's not just for somebody to pat me on the back today and say, you're doing a great job. But for the three of us at this table, I mean, one of the things that's becoming more and more important to me is, what is Asheville Road going to be like when I'm gone? Mm -hmm. And I want it to be strong and full of people full of spiritual growth, full of love, full of kids. You know, I, I want this place to continue on. I don't want this to be one of those churches that gets old and dies, you know. And a lot of that has to do with just the way that we pass things on, right? We need right. to be We need to be bringing people along with us for the ride, encouraging them hopefully developing the enthusiasm we have about something in them and making sure that most of all in a lot of this, it's not about us, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's about in, in all walks of life, you know, there's greater things than us and, and you're not really successful if you walk away from something and just watch it burn to the ground. That's right. And we, and we're at the stage in our lives where we'd like to do, something new getting back to the enthusiasm mm-hmm. you know it's it's hard as you grow to do the same job and i'm saying this you know i've been at my job 23 years you've been at your job longer than that 35 yep you've been in your practice now for Almost 20 a long years. time and um you know that's that 20 year mark where you start thinking do I want to go to my grave doing this? And in a lot of ways, as a preacher, I do, but I'd like to do different things. You know, some of the things that I do now that I didn't do in the beginning are like these podcasts, you know, and I look, I, I know that we may not have struck on the format that's going to change the world or anything, but this is a new new thing, and it's it's fun. But it's also challenging. It might help some people. Uh, for me, writing is a new way to reach a different audience and challenge my mind and adapt to what's going on in my life. And um, I'm looking for other things, too. Yeah. And it's just uh, part of being this age. And, so and it's, it's part a, and it's I, part of continuing to grow, right? Right. Because if yeah, we, it's not if we that don't, if we don't not fall being, to the enthusiasm, not being complacent. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, and if because when you grow, you should change, or that enthusiasm is going to go will. away. It will. You just can't do the same thing for your whole life and and keep a level of enthusiasm about it. And and it may be that you know. I've, I've been in my job for 35 years. Uh, you know, I've done different things along the way. You know, 
what do I find accomplishment in now? Um, really more just trying to help people, trying to, yeah, yeah. Trying to be a, a contributor, trying to help folks with their attitude about things. That's more of where I get my, my payback, you know, in, in gratification in my job now. I don't worry about promotions anymore. I'm, I'm good where I, I am and I'm, I'm happy with that. And, you know, the path is, has been good to me, but you've got to decide, you know, where, where is your journey going? Right. And I don't think you can be enthusiastic if you don't, if you're not intentional in here's something, here's a new way I can grow. Here's how I can improve. Here's a new way I can do this. Even if you're still doing the same stuff in the large. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can, uh, you just got to continue to, to, to find things that bring you joy in what you're doing and find ways to share that joy with the people. Like we have a lot of interns coming through now and have had, I don't know, 20, 25 over the, the last few years. And, I get asked a lot, why do you have interns in? It's kind of fun showing these poor students that are coming out of UAB that have been beat down by professors in the system and made to think they're less significant than the next and just show them, hey, it's kind of fun to be in practice. Let me teach you how to interact with people. The school's taught you how to be an eye doctor. Let me teach you how to have fun. Let me teach you how to talk to patients. Let me teach you how to talk to staff. And I'm not great at it. I'm not a great manager. I'm trying to work on some of those skills. But it's fun. And, you know, does it get in the way sometimes? Yeah. Do the interns slow us down sometimes? Yes. But But I enjoy being able to share some of that real-world knowledge. And you're contributing to their future, right? I mean, you know, all the book stuff and all the medical stuff that they had to They've learned all that stuff. That's important. But just as important is... What you know is what we we were all challenged with when we walked out of college or oh, yeah. medical school or whatever is, what do I do with this? Well, and the whole you know? work life balance of, you know what, you, at the end of the day, I I don't want to be known as Jason the eye doctor. I'd much rather be known as Jason the Christian, Jason the friend of Tim and Drew, Jason the the husband of Cassie, Jason the dad of Taylor and Sam. Those are the things I want to be defined about. And, and I, if my job defines me, then I'm not living life with all the priorities I need anyway. And that's why it's easy to lose enthusiasm, I think, mm-hmm. sometimes, as you lose that focus on what yeah. is the important thing. You said something really important there when you were talking about all those different roles. And, you know, I, I don't think we ought to leave this discussion about this quote on enthusiasm without the fact that if we don't show enthusiasm in the things that we do, those kids that we're training, whether we are trying to train them or not, they're watching us and they're following our lead. And if nothing matters to us, nothing's going to matter to them. And yeah. so, you know, that, that way that we go about our lives, no matter what we're doing, you know, if we're, if we're going out and, you know, you name it, working at McDonald's, be the best, you know, you can be working at McDonald's. If you're cutting a yard, be the best you can be at cutting a yard. Or if you're doing brain surgery, be the best you can at that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, let live your life with enthusiasm. It's going to make you better at what you do, and it's going to be a more fruitful life 
And it's what God wants you to do. And there's going to be days where you wake up and you don't feel like being enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. Your feelings are saying anything but enthusiasm. But you choose the action over the feelings. And a lot of times if you wake up and you start acting enthusiastic, whether you're truly enthusiastic or not, the feeling is going to follow. Yeah, that's true. Well, I'm excited about this new year. I'm excited about getting this rolling and uh you can help us out listener by sharing this with a friend uh you can uh give us a rating or even better write a review on spotify itunes amazon audible i think those are the formats we're on uh you already know that though if you're hearing this you've been listening to us for an hour on some format so just go over there and hit the little rating button five stars is what you're looking for And uh, write us a little review, and that'll help get the word out. Most importantly, tell your friends about it. Even more important than that, stay excited about Passages, the podcast. Keep your enthusiasm up enough to listen to us next time, because we're going to be back in about a week. So stay tuned.